0: The EPL show, if it all ended now, on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by mybookie.ag. Las Vegas may be closed, but myBookie Casino is open 24/7. They're also home to the free $10,000 Blackjack Madness Tournament. Use the promo code SGP to receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid at myBookie.ag. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paperhead providers, and they make it super easy to start your own book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at AcePerHead.com/sgp. That's AcePerHead.com/sgp hey guys you are listening to if it all ended now episode three here on the sports gambling podcast network this is an extension of the EPL show. Last time out, we covered the teams who would be most happiest if the season was declared null and void. In episode one, we looked at the teams who would be the most unhappiest if the season was declared null and void to give you an update on what's going on there's a lot of rumors but most of them do indicate that the season will be coming back behind closed doors at the start of June so we don't know at the moment if that's going to be regular fixtures played at home and away whether it's going to be this thing where they move into hotels and play four games a day in the Midlands or at Wembley Um, there's rumors of them going over to UAE there's loads and loads of stuff out there that's been pitched and that includes the champions league being finished in august and uh, next season even starting late but hopefully with fans coming back by then but if you listen to some of the stuff that's out there in terms of what's coming out of germany and the bundesliga there may be no fans at the start of next season either or if you listen to stuff that's going on in the states with states like new york and and california looking at not putting fans into events into um into the until the year 2021 which means that that will seriously affect the NFL season and everything else moving forward as well we already know that the European Championships Euro 2020 is now going to be played in Euro 2021 so I assume by then that everything will be sorted and resolved but we are looking at things for this year at the moment and it is hard to see Fans being back in stadiums in time for the start of next season. But as for this season, all things indicate that it will go ahead, but it will go ahead behind closed doors. So pretty much zero chance at the moment that uh, we are going to get any football with fans there in the month of June and July. And it's likely that the Champions League as well will be played behind closed doors, even though that is at the moment, pencilled in to begin in August. And that'll be a shame uh, that we can't find another way of doing this, perhaps maybe selling less seats, um, implementing social distancing with the seats could be a way to go, making sure people enter with protective equipment, maybe fever checking. I don't know how we go about it. I'm just not in favour of um, certain sports being played behind closed doors. But at the same time, Obviously, if it's a choice between carrying on as we are and suffering through this pandemic with no sports and sports returning behind closed doors, I would take it behind closed doors all the time. But I think it's easier for me to watch a UFC fight or a game of basketball or a tennis match behind closed doors than it is watching a football match or a soccer game or an NFL game where the atmosphere is such a big part of it. Um, I'm currently watching um, WWE as WWE is continuing and it's difficult to watch week in, week out, the WWE trying to do their thing. Behind closed doors. So overall, I wouldn't say there's any sport that you can really, uh, you can really watch without an audience. But obviously, if we're looking at a criteria in terms of things that you can stomach without supporters, I think combat sports would be up there. I think tennis would be up there. I think golf would be up there. I think motor racing will be up there. I think these are things that can return relatively quickly and and behind closed doors, and it wouldn't make a difference. I think. In terms of um, the high-end cage fights, when you're looking at high-end MMA and you're looking at somebody like uh, a Conor McGregor fighting, you certainly don't want to see that behind closed doors. But I think when it's when it's two guys in the middle of the card um, who, who aren't really known to casual fans, and I think you can stomach MMA in that kind of uh, atmosphere. But obviously... This is all. Um, this is all speculation, and this is all what ifs. I mean, this is what this whole show is. Uh, if it all ended now, in terms of the Premier League being null and void, but we're speculating on everything here at this point in time. When when stuff will come back, how it will come back, what the format will be. How are we going to control the audiences? How much of the seasons are going to be played out? Are we going to get reduced seasons? Are we going to get full seasons? Are we going to get voided seasons? It's just all a big confusion at the moment because there's so much contradictory information coming in. Um, We've got protests against the lockdown. And um, we've got guys saying that the lockdown needs to be longer. So we've got people saying that there can't be any mass gatherings so we've got vaccinations. I mean, it's just all a big, big mess for me. I'm kind of at a point where I- I'm pretty much done with the lockdown myself because I have a real lack of understanding as to how the implementation of a six week lockdown doesn't work. So if you read everything up on the virus, everything about the virus tells you that if you contract the virus, it can take up to 30 days to to show and to, to come to the forefront. And then when you do have the virus, and it does come to the forefront, you can suffer from the virus for up to 14 days, which gives it a maximum life of 44 days. Now, if we use the date March the 1st as an example here for for what I'm about to talk about, if they locked down all the states and and all the countries, whatever, on this fictitious day of March the 1st, that means anybody that caught the virus on February the 29th, which would be the final day of lockdown when everybody was out on the streets, would 100% be over the virus or dead by april the 15th because that would give them the full 30 days for the virus to live in their body and and come to the forefront and then obviously 14 days to fight or suffer the consequences of the virus and i think the consequences being suffered by the virus is obviously happening to people with underlying health conditions and the elderly so i think if you're fighting fit and anywhere between 18 to to 50 bearing in mind it doesn't really affect uh, youngsters at all so if you are in that age bracket of 18 to 50 you're very very likely to survive the virus i would say around about 99.9 percent likely to survive therefore i'm not understanding why it's a pandemic i'm not understanding why we locked down anyway Uh, we had more deaths in 2019 than we do in 2020 there's something very very fishy about it but taking everything at face value and believing what the media tell us, I still don't understand why any lockdowns need to be longer than six weeks. That's the part that I don't have explained to me because the only people contracting the virus, if we use this fictitious date of March the 1st up to April the 15th, which would be a six-week period for anybody that caught the virus prior to the deadline date, the lockdown date of March the 1st, anyone that caught the virus before that point would have fully had it or recovered from it, or whatever the situation would be. Therefore, the only people getting the virus in between that period, in between that six-week period, would be key workers, essential workers, or morons like the guys out in florida who are disobeying the lockdown rules and are still catching the virus but that would be such a small amount that we would obviously have the protective equipment and the staff and the hospital spaces to deal with those people amicably so there wouldn't be a big rush and therefore it would not be a pandemic that would that would only obviously come into play if places decided to lock down obviously they're messing it up in the u.s because it was very disorganized Uh, president over there in a very disorganized system because it doesn't all fall on Trump because I actually like some of the stuff that Trump has done over the last few weeks in terms of challenging Bill Gates and cutting off funding to the World Health Organization because... As I said, there's something fishy going on and it doesn't really make much sense. Um, Obviously, some of the stuff that Trump has said has been typical Trump. It's been some dumb stuff where he's come out and tried to be a a doctor and a scientist in some of his press conferences and just not follow the guidelines of what he's out there. But the fact that he's cut funding to the World Health Organization isn't a decision that Trump made by himself. The US presidency, although it is touted as the, the number one job and the most powerful job in the world, there is a committee behind them, a committee of people that obviously influence the decisions that, that he's made. No president has ever gone out there and single-handedly made a decision and even though he has the power, uh, like the, the more significant power than anybody else. It's not going to be Donald Trump that goes out there and decided by himself to cut off the funding to the World Health Organization without running it by his committee at all. It's just absolutely ludicrous to think that, that he's that big of a moron. I mean, yes, he's a moron and he's gone off in press conferences and I've criticised him at times, but I don't completely disagree with what he's doing. But the system in America is fucked the whole state by state thing, where you've got New York and New Jersey in complete lockdown, and then you've got like Florida now letting people back out, um, and then you have people in California saying that we're not going to be doing any public events till we've seen a vaccine, and then just contradictory comments all over the place. You've got Trump versus Cuomo um, going on as well, and obviously we've got the that election for the U.S. at the end of the end, end of the um, the end of the year, and then there's stuff in England. Is a much better. You've got Boris Johnson pretending he's got the virus just to take himself out of the firing line because he locked down too late and let thousands of extra people die because he decided the way to tackle this was through herd immunity. Eventually, but um, again, I don't necessarily disagree with that completely. But it could never have been herd immunity when you included the elderly and those with underlying health conditions with that. You always needed to implement some kind of lockdown at the very least at the start of it. So. It's all a big clusterfuck at the moment. We don't know where we stand. I obviously want to focus on sports gambling. I don't want to turn this into a political show. Um, I already do a show like that. It's called The Man Show. It's available every week on my feed over on the Daily Sheets feed, or you can just Google The Man Show podcast, and we only and we talk about the COVID-19 and the coronavirus and whatnot and politics and all kinds of bullshit over there. But here, we're obviously here to talk about sport wherever we can. Obviously, there's a limited amount of sports that we can talk about, hence the creation of this series, if it all ended now. The final part will be next week, which will be part four. And hopefully after that, we can start entering into a a season preview or a re-preview of the up-and-coming season in terms of what's left. And we will be doing that for the EPL. And we'll be looking back at European football. And we'll be looking at where we currently stand with the European competitions as well. And hopefully by by the start of may when we do start those shows we will have some kind of answers otherwise those shows are going to be further further delayed as well so i was hoping to finish this series within the month of april give you four episodes here if it all ended now that was the idea and then to roll back to season previews to preview the um the recommencement of the season at the start of june um but we don't know anything that's going on at the moment so obviously until we know that you will not be hearing too much from me I'm hoping maybe UFC can run now that Florida have made the decisions that uh, public events can run, and obviously that was um, that was a key thing that was the key decision that was made, a key thing that allowed the WWE to continue when the WWE was declared an essential business, and obviously they bared the brunt of the publicity of that because they were specifically named when they was asked why the WWE can continue to run, but the governor then, uh, I think it was DeSantis, uh, ruled that all sporting events were essential to the economy um, even though nobody's actually attending them so I imagine that the economy means that um uh, that, that they generate some tv rights fees and, and whatnot from the fact that these things are even airing on tv I'm not too sure um I don't think the the question was really answered correctly and um I do believe some underhanded shady tactics went there with uh, Linda McMahon the wife of um of vince mcmahon being involved with um, with donald trump obviously being in his cabinet previously and obviously the 18.5 million pound backhanded donation that went to the state of florida as well so a lot of shady shit going on but through that shady shit it could be the salvation of live sports at least when it comes down to stuff like the ufc or possibly some boxing or obviously we can still continue betting on the WWE and um, maybe um, it could be the thing that sparks basketball to come back maybe at the start of June or whatnot. Because as as I said, Florida is allowing live sports to take place behind closed doors and that's obviously going to snowball onto other states doing the same thing and uh, obviously that's not going to be everybody some states are going to be lagging behind as i said i've already spoke about the state of affairs in new york and the state of affairs in in uh, la and the state of california etc so it's going to be a very, very staggered process with uh, different states doing different things all different times. But here in the UK, we are looking to come out of lockdown currently on May the 4th. Uh, our line has come down. We had a low number of deaths t- uh, today, low when you consider the the previous few days. Um, we believe the peak of the virus is now gone. It was around about 900 or so. and We are coming down to the four or 500 deaths a day, which, as I've said on my other show, is a low number um, when you consider that we have one thousand two hundred and seventy hospitals here in the UK. Uh, that uh, the nine hundred number was under one death per hospital, and now we have under one death per two hospitals. So for every two hospitals, we will be having one death. And now it's become so so less, so it's even lesser than that. Um, it would be one death per three hospitals. So for every three towns, we are having one COVID death explains me how that is a pandemic that needs to take our sports away from us i just don't buy that at all moving on to the show that we're doing here today uh, episode three We are talking about the team of the season. So if it all ended now, who would make the team of the season? We'll be running through these positions. And we'll also be looking at the fantasy points here as a point of comparison so that we can compare, we can look at the fantasy points and we can see if they are the people that you would want in those particular positions. Now, we start with the goalkeeper. For me... The best goalkeeper this season has been Henderson at Sheffield United because he has kept his team in a lot of games. They have an unbelievable defensive record and he's been key to the surprise season that Sheffield United have had this season. I also like Dubravka at Newcastle if you look at the stats and you look at the fact that Newcastle have been dominated in every single game this season but they are not in any relegation problems you have to give credit to the defence and and uh, how Steve Bruce has set them up but you also have to look at the number of shots the Bravka has saved now the fantasy points do reflect this and they do have those two as uh, two of the top four goalkeepers with Drabavka in fourth and Henderson in second however Pope of Burnley is currently the top goalkeeper now I don't disagree necessarily with that I would have had Pope in the conversation but I just think that Henderson has been a little more a little bit more influential plus it is a bit more of a surprise to see Sheffield United up there than Burnley obviously Burnley also in the top half but Sheffield United are in and amongst those Champions League positions especially if you consider that five teams could go through although the top five could go through If man city are obviously not going to be in it given their transfer ban uh, sorry giving their european ban and what will be a transfer ban as well so yeah uh, a really good season by sheffield united and i would cap that off by having henderson as my goalkeeper moving on to the right back for for many there's really only one person in the conversation and i would agree with that and the fantasy points certainly agree with that uh trent alexander Arnold has been the runaway right back of the season he's the top defender in the entire game with 100 and 66 points the only other player I would look at in this conversation would be Pereira at Leicester he's all the way down in fifth place for the defenders this for the 123 but he is the second highest um, right back on there the top two fullbacks are of course Robertson and Alexander Arnold but Arnold has pulled ahead of Robertson and he is a no-brainer pick in this team The left-pack position is also another no-brainer pick as well. As much as I don't just want to automatically here go with Trent Alexander and Robertson, there isn't really another contender at left back. Um, Chilwell's had a decent season at Leicester, but he has had a few injuries and Leicester really haven't been that great since Christmas. Um, it's worth mentioning Williams at Man United, but I don't think he's played enough football really to be considered for this position. So therefore you have to give this one to Robertson. You have to give the two fullback positions two to the two Liverpool players and they are the two standout out full- backs in the game in fact the top 3 players are all liverpool players trent alexander arnold on 166 van dijk on 141 and Robertson on 137 so when we go to the centre-backs the automatic choice for me has to be Virgil van Dijk 141 fantasy points he has been the best centre-back this season once again just as he was last year and last year he earned himself a nomination for the Ballon d'Or and ended up finishing runner-up to Messi a lot of people disagreed with that I didn't I don't really want to see a central defender winning the Ballon d'Or but I do think it was an honour for van Dijk to be mentioned obviously he's ended up getting the cover of the fifa game as well or at least the um deluxe edition which is also another big achievement as well so a lot of stuff being achieved by van dyke that we don't usually see um coming from a center back and uh, once again he has been the standout performer in the defensive position and he deserves his place here in the back four so are liverpool going to make it a clean sweep (coughs) No, they are not because they have rotated that centre-back position throughout most of the season, although it has been Gomez- spot for a majority of the season he has played more of the games at the start of the season it was a position that was dominated by Matip and Lovren's coming at times as well had Gomez had the position for longer he would have got it he has played the most games there and he was there for the largest part of the season when Liverpool had the most clean sheets however he hasn't played enough football for me if we're looking at other contenders we have to look at uh, Evans and Sionku at Leicester Um, Evans has got 108 fantasy points Sionku's got 103 Both of them had decent seasons, but as I said, Leicester fell away towards the um, latter part of the season, although they are still sitting in third and probably will still make the Champions League. But I think the man that's made the biggest difference to the team um, compared to how they were last season is Maguire at Manchester United. He's already been made the club captain. He's made a massive impact on this defence. As Man United closed out the, um, the season, or as the season was suspended, Man United won a roll defensively with nine clean sheets in 11. Um, really, really good start to 2020. It's really unfortunate for them that the season's been suspended. And I think a large part of tightening up this defence was the additions of wan and Maguire. And although Wambasaka obviously wasn't in the conversation for the right-back role, I'd certainly like to put Harry Maguire in as my only non-Liverpool defender here in this back four. Before we move on to my midfielders, let me take a second here to give a shout out to my bookie.ag. Yeah, there are no sports on TV and the casinos are all shut down so you might be asking yourself I'm bored, what the hell am I going to do and why do I need my bookie? Well my bookie has the answer for you, they are now offering you the opportunity to bet on simulated sports so you can get rid of that itch and get it scratched and win some cash. The best part is it's not just 2k either, they've got lines and odds on NFL Madden, NFL, NBA they've got it all and more is coming as well with a slate of games going on off every two hours from noon until midnight every damn day of the week if you want to get on some in if you want to get in on some blackjack also they've got a free to enter ten thousand dollar tournament going on right now and you can still get your foot in the fact is all the Oakles casinos are shut down right now but my bookies opened its proverbial doors to everyone pros and newcomers alike they make it simple to understand and easy to win So make sure that you head over to mybookie.ag and sign up now using my exclusive promo code to snag yourself some extra funds to play with tonight. Do this. Don't be the last man to take advantage of this. Use the promo code SGP and head over to mybookie.ag. Also want to take a second here to talk about Ace Per Head. Because if you've ever thought about starting your own sports book and don't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start your own sports book. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with lines updated up to the second and wages graded immediately. They have top-notch customer service support going 24-7 still and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace offers a live betting and an amazing mobile betting experience. Get started today and Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Just go to aceperhead.com. That's aceperhead.com. .com slash SGP so let's continue on with the show here we're up to our midfield Liverpool obviously dominating the back five Henderson was the goalkeeper Liverpool had the two fullbacks with Trent Ad Robertson getting in Van Dijk as our centre-back but he's partnered by Manchester United's Harry Maguire now we move on to the holding midfield position now this is where fantasy and what I'm doing here starts to differentiate slightly because they have the likes of Salah and Mane classified as midfield players now I would personally classify wingers as forward players, but later on, if you go to the attackers and we look at the attackers, they do have some wingers. As forward players now, I don't know if this is going to change next season, but it's happened for a few years now. Where Salah has certainly played as an out-and-out forward, and he's been classified as a midfield player. Same goes for Mane. And same goes for several other players here, like Son and Richarlison and and Grealish and Sterling. But they've never changed it. Whereas some games do have all these players as forwards. For us, we are going to classify them as forwards. So when we look at our midfield here, we are only going to pick three players, and they're all going to be central midfield players. And we. going to start with our holding midfield player and that's going to be Wilfred Ndidi of Leicester. Now he has been so, so key to keeping the defence protected throughout the season and was a key part of Leicester's start of the season. When he went out of the team for a bit, you could see Leicester's results getting worse. He has massively improved his team. He has massively increased his value. And I think he could be the holding midfielder for nearly any club in the world. I would be surprised to see him stay at Leicester this summer. There's going to be some big offers for him. But the thing is, Leicester don't have to sell anymore. They ended up selling Maguire because they got ridiculous money for Maguire. And in the future, if they do have to sell James Madison or Indeedee from the midfield, they're going to ask for ridiculous money again. Leicester don't need to be a selling club anymore, especially if they get in the Champions League. And I think Indeedee who could be the next Kante. In fact, if he continues the way he's going, he's going to be better than Kante and he doesn't need to go anywhere either. He could show loyalty to Leicester here and stay. But of course, if that 100 million mark is met, then he could leave. The fact that we're even talking about Ndidi as a 100 million pound player says what he's achieved this season. Now, another player I'm going to add into my team here is Jordan Henderson. Now, when you're looking at Ndidi and Jordan Henderson, they aren't really up there as top midfielders and fancy points because of the job that they do. Both of them are pretty much holding midfielders. They do break play down. Obviously, Henderson's got more points because he likes to get forward a little bit more. And he has had times this season where he hasn't been the out-and-out holding midfielder because it has been Naby Keita. But whilst Naby Keita's been injured, Henderson has occupied that. Position and Liverpool have actually been more defensively sound with him there, and actually missed him when he was out of the team as well. But when you're looking at players that are ahead of him, when you've got someone like Cantwell with 100 points, uh, Mason Mount with 111, uh, Deli Alley with 114, Grealish with 118, who I do think had a really good season, uh, Madison with 119, uh, Richardson with 133. But again, he's another um, more of a um, a wide player, more of a winger. My point is you can't really make an argument to say that any of the players that I mentioned can go ahead of Indi and Henderson. They are almost automatic choices. The only player that you can say who's a central midfielder that has, has a better season than them is Kevin De Bruyne. Now, Kevin De Bruyne is the second highest fantasy midfielder with 178 points, but he's only behind Mo Salah and Mo Salah's on 186 and he's a winger anyway. So I would, clout, I would count uh, Kevin De Bruyne as the top central midfielder player in the game and that correlates to the season he has he has he has been the best midfielder in the Premier League this season despite the fact Man City have had their own shortcomings Kevin De Bruyne has been absolutely world-class throughout the season and he deserves his place here in the team I think the midfield itself are all three very very easy automatic choices as easy as the fullbacks were I think everybody would would agree that Nindidi, Henderson and De Bruyne have to be the three-man midfield here as we move on to our forwards. Now, here's where we can start using these high-scoring midfielders who are actually wingers. And Mo Salah is the top midfielder in the game. But... I will not be putting him into my team, because by all accounts, if you ask most people for their opinion, the fantasy points don't correlate to opinion, because most people think that Mo Salah hasn't been at his best this season. I think Sadio Mane, who's only 11 points behind Mo Salah this season, has been the better player, and he's an automatic choice for me to get into my team. I do believe he's in contention for being one of the players of the season, and I think that the fact that he's had Injuries that have seen him miss more time than Mo Salah, yet is still only 11 points behind him and has closed the value on Salah because at the start of the season, Mane was significantly cheaper than Salah, but now there's only 0.2 million between the two of them. So you can pick up Mo Salah at the moment at 12.7 million, but you can pick up Sadio Mane for 12.5 million. But that gap has been closed with less games and there's only 11 point deficit between him. And I think Mane just genuinely has had a better season. If you ask Liverpool supporters, Mane does more for the team. He works harder. He's more unselfish. He's been involved in more, whereas Mo Salah is still a great player and he has contributed and he does get goals. I think Sadio Mane has been more... Of the standout player and Liverpool fans would agree that he has contributed more this season than Mo Salah has done. Um, If you're looking at the other wide player, the reason I haven't gone for Mo Salah is because I wanted to find a place for Jack Grealish in this team. Jack Grealish is down as a midfielder. He's got 118 points, but where the hell would Aston Villa be without Jack Grealish? Another player that I considered for this position was Aubameyang, because Aubameyang has made a big contribution to Arsenal this season. And without his goals, Arsenal's season could actually be even worse than it currently is so um Aubameyang was another person who I want to consider he is down as an attacker even though he's a wide player for Arsenal but as I said it's very very inconsistent with fantasy football when you have players like uh Sterling Salah and Mane down as midfielders and they play in the same positions as the likes of uh Aubameyang and and Rashford and and uh, other players that we could find here in attacking positions who really play out wide. Obviously, there are some out-and-out centre forwards here. And if you're looking for an out-and-out centre forward, um, for me, the one that you have to put in your team this season is Jamie Vardy. Um, special mention goes out to Tammy Abraham for the start he made this this season and for Puki as well and a lot of them slowed down and for a lot of the work that Firmino does off the ball but Vardy is the top attacking player in the game with 167 points Uh, Abamyang is second for 152 he could be considered as well as a player to play down the middle because he's done so much for Arsenal and uh, there Jimenez is there for 147 Ings as well had good periods for Southampton and he's managed to notch up 140 points but... I don't think you were going to get many arguments of Jamie Vardy. Leicester are where they are in the table, mainly down to the contributions of a handful of players. You have to give credit to the two centre-backs. You have to look at the goalkeeper as well. Indeed he's been key. Madison's contributions have been key as well. And of course the goals of Jamie Vardy. Yes other players have chipped in. The likes of Perez and Barnes and, and Chilwell's been good when he's played in Pereira. But I think the key contributions have come from the spine of that team and everything is led by Jamie Vardy and Jamie Vardy has been a key player despite the fact that Leicester have had down periods his fantasy points have been consistent as as his goals and his contributions so I think Jamie Vardy the fact that I think um before Euro 2020 was suspended so many people were wondering if they could get Jamie Vardy out of retirement because of course England had injuries with Rashford and Kane, it won't be relevant now so obviously Jamie Vardy won't get to play in that tournament because you would assume by Euro 2021 Kane and Rashford are not going to pick up new injuries and will play that tournament but the fact that so many people were clamouring for him to come out of international retirement and play that tournament and come to England's rescue kind of tells you the kind of season that Jamie Vardy's had so Jamie Vardy is the striker in this team. So, to run through the final team selection again, we've gone for Henderson of Sheffield United in goal. The fullbacks are Trent Alexander-Arnold of Liverpool on the right, Robertson on the left. The centre-back pairing of Harry Maguire of Manchester United and Van Dijk of Liverpool. The holding midfielders are Ndidi of Leicester and Henderson of Liverpool. The attacking midfielder is Kevin De Bruyne. A special mention here to Bruno Fernandes because Fernandes could have got in his midfield if he hadn't joined Man United in January. But if he continues to play, next season the way he has this season then he'll obviously be in next season's team. The forward players, the wide players I've gone for are Mane and Grealish because Grealish has kept Aston Villa in the Premier League this season I do think Villa are going to inevitably go down but Grealish has added so much value to himself and I expect him to move for well over 100 million this summer because I don't think he's going to stay at Villa and the striker is somebody that has stayed at Leicester for his career Mr Loyalty, Mr Leicester, Jamie Vardy is the striker in this team and that completes your full 11 for the season if it's all ended now and that concludes part 3 we'll be back with part 4 next week and uh, part 4 will be looking at projected odds if the season was to end now for the 21-22 season in terms of how would the current season standings influence the odds that teams have next season and how will this affect them will somebody like Tottenham be massively boosted by this being postponed will Liverpool start as favourites to win the league next season because they came so close to winning it or practically did win it and it was pretty much taken away from them if that is of course the case I don't think it will be. I do think the season will get played out. I do think Liverpool will inevitably be champions. But for the sake of fantasy, we will do episode four next week. We will look at if the season ends now. Plus, of course, it might end up being a relevant show anyway because the prices might not change at all. But if we do all finish in these, if we do end up playing these remaining nine games and everybody does end up in the same position what will the odds be for next season will Liverpool be the favourites to win the league this season off the back of how much they've dominated this season or will Man City be restored as favourites, how will Man United be priced now they look like a new force how will Chelsea be priced now they're allowed to buy players how will Mourinho be priced after his first full season, it's been a little bit of a failure but he will back have all his players back like Kane and Song and will be able to add to his squad, so lots to talk about and we'll be doing it next week with episode four if it all ended now that's it from me good luck with all your bets if you can actually put any on and thanks for listening (laughs)